want you to turn this morning to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. You know, this morning I, I fed my body and now we're going to feed our spirits. You know, that's something that Smith Wigglesworth said because he was a man of the word of God. It was said that he was the man of one book because he didn't know how to read. And his wife had taught him and he only read, read the Bible. You know, Lester Sumrall visited him in England. And he was preaching one time and he said, son, come see me in England. So he showed up one time and, you know, he was, uh, he had a newspaper kind of tucked up underneath his arm. And um, he says, um, son, he knocked on the door. He said, son, what is that? Oh, it's just the daily paper. He said, I don't allow lies in my house. Leave it outside. So he just, he's like, hey, he just kind of tucked it down to there in the flower bed, you know. He said, Mussolini and Hitler shall soon be in hell. And, and that, this is the way he talked, you know. And uh, he said, leave those lies out there. And so um, that was his introduction to Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> Thank God for the truth. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look in verse 7. And let's pray. Father, today as we approach your word, we thank you that your word is truth. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching us and leading us. Thank you, Lord, that we'll never be the same. Guide us into all reality in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he, left, he led captivity captive. And gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens. That he might fill or fulfill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Everyone say grow up. We may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase unto the edifying of itself in love, unto the body, unto the edifying of itself in love. So one thing that, as a believer, I believe that every year we should look at our lives because the Lord wants us to grow. And we should look at our lives to see if we've grown. You know, this year if we, is better than last year. Next year should be better than this year. And so we should have a desire to grow in the things of God. You know, as we are born again, the Bible says, desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word that you may grow by, thereby. <clears throat> so we start out as a spiritual baby 
But then as we feed upon God's word, we put it into practice, we become spiritually mature over a period of time. It doesn't happen overnight, just like, uh, you know, in our physical body. But here's the thing, too. Just because you have the passage of time doesn't mean that you grow up spiritually. There's people that have been in church for 40 and 50 years that they're still a spiritual baby. Why? Because they haven't grown. They haven't been fed. And so one thing that we should have in our life, and and I pray that in 2023 that we would be stronger than ever, that we would grow in the spirit, in the word, and to, as Paul said, unto a perfect man, unto the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want to give you seven principles of spiritual growth. Seven principles of spiritual growth. And I believe that if you put these into practice, whether you've been saved for a long time, whether you're new in the things of God or somewhere in between, if you'll put these things into practice, then you'll grow on a daily basis. Hallelujah. Are you ready? (laughs) Number one, learn to forget. You know, that's that's one thing. I think that's one of the, the biggest things on a, uh, a New Year's Eve. You know, like a New Year's Eve service or like on January 1st on the New Year. What, what, what do people usually, if they're thinking about the things of God and spiritual things, there's a lot of forgetting going on, isn't it? There should be uh, over the course of our life, and this is not just one thing that you do one time. But Paul said, I forget those things that are behind. So, number one, learn to forget. You have to learn to forget your past mistakes. Let We say this sometimes, let the past be past at last. Amen. Why? Because people can be crippled by their past. People can be crippled by the things that happened, you know, as a child. And, and you know, those, those are terrible. We, we understand that. We don't make light of that. But, you know, it takes the, the Holy Spirit to reach into people's hearts. And to, you know, we say this sometimes, Lord, go with the, where the knife of man cannot go. You know, the knife of man can go to a lot of places and cut things out. But there are certain things that can't be cut out except by the Holy Spirit. You know, we've used this before, but when Pastor was here, Pastor Rodney was here uh, five years ago last month, he, um, he, he said something. Oh, I, I don't know if he said that story then, but the lady was in the service. Anyway, she had been gone through a horrific thing, and so she felt um, dirty. You know, things can happen in your life, and you just, the, the devil just convinces you you're dirty. You know, you're low down. He's the most low down, dirty rascal there is, you know. And uh, he has no room to talk about anybody. And, um, and he's still got his coming, so. But anyway, so this, um, this lady, she had gone through this horrific experience. And as the power of God came on her, he had laid hands on her, and, and she's out. And just the joy of the Lord hit her for hours. And as she's there, the power of God just sweeping over her. 
She felt like someone was standing over her with a big water hose. Now, have you seen these big ladder trucks? I mean, that's not like a little 50-foot hose you can buy at Menards. I mean, that's, they're huge. And like, you spray somebody, you'd knock a little kid over for sure, you know, probably an adult. And, um, but she felt under the anointing that, that's why we say it's God's operating table. Under the anointing, she felt like she was being washed and cleansed. And, and she felt like she knew someone that that happened to, but it wasn't her. Why? Because the power of God removed that from her. The knife of God. The knife went where, you know, the knife of the Holy Spirit, where man couldn't go. You know, you can go to counseling, you can do all kinds of things, but something that the Holy Spirit will do and just reach in. You know, there was another lady who, she had gone through this uh, trauma because, you know, people don't talk about this and your heart goes out to people, you know, that have had an abortion. And, you know, people that promote these things, um, they don't talk about the, the trauma that people go through when they experience this. So this, this lady, she felt low. I mean, lower than low, and just felt that the devil was condemning her and just beating her up. Once again, in a revival meeting. I mean, I was supportive of being in revival meetings. <laughs> so here she was un under the anointing, under the power of God. And as she's laying there, she has a vision. Once again, she, the, the power of God hit her, the joy of the Lord sweeping over her soul. And, you know, she didn't have to yield to that, though. Just like we don't have to yield to the Holy Ghost. We don't have to yield when, when the Lord moves upon you to do a certain thing. And so here she was under the anointing, and she, she had a vision. And she sees Jesus. And, of course, you know, she wanted to love on the Lord, you know, just say, you know, Lord, I worship you. And so as she's there, Jesus is talking, and there's a little girl there. And this little girl walks up and says, Jesus, why is mommy crying? Or, and anyway, it broke something on the inside of her. And from then forth, it was like some, the, the Holy Ghost just came and ripped that thing out of her. The, the, the Holy Ghost can do something in five seconds, and it would take you a lifetime to do in the flesh. Amen. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. We need his presence. We need, this is a, this church is a Holy Ghost church. We are not ashamed of him. Why? Because it, he can move any way he wants to. I mean, if he tells me to go lay, to go stand on my head in the corner, then we'll do it. If it brings something, <laughs> if it brings a change. <clears throat> so learn to forget. One thing as a believer, your forgetter must be in a, in a good working order. I call it your forgetter. You're, you, know, you, have to, you know, it's actually a choice. I choose to forget that. So when the devil lies to you and says, say, no, you know, I choose to forget that. I, I don't remember that anymore. Amen. I want you to look at Isaiah 43. <clears throat> and you know, I think this is, there's a reason we put this as first because if you don't learn to forget, you'll never go forward. The enemy will 
he will hold high carnival in your life. <laughs> That's a good Texas expression. <clears throat> he will hold high carnival in your life. But Isaiah 43. Actually, look at verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. But then verse 25, God says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So notice he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. Now, we would think it would be for our sake. It is, because we, but it's for his sake. Why? So he can bless you. So he can, he can show his love and his mercy to you. So he says, I'm going to blot out your sins and will not remember thy sins. Hallelujah. If you don't get anything else today, realize that when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. And he puts a a, a sign up that says no fishing. Why? Because the devil wants you to go fishing over there and say, you know what? Hey, remember what you did? Go, Go over there and go fishing a little bit. Oh, no. So God never remembers our old sins. I want you to, I quoted this a few moments ago. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Book of Philippians chapter 3. Now this is Paul, who was Saul at one time. How many remember what Saul did as a profession? He killed Christians. He went about, and the Bible says even when Saul uh, he went around consenting until the death of Stephen. And Stephen was the first martyr of the church. And so here, that's what he did. He killed people. But there, at one point, Paul told others, he said, I have wronged no man. We have wronged no man. How can you say that? Because of what the blood's done. Look at Philippians 3, verse 13. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So notice, he says, I haven't arrived. Everyone say, I haven't arrived yet. (laughs) One, one guy told this other minister that he said, you know what? Paul never made it. Because he was talking about, he was confused about the scripture. He that believeth in me shall never die. So he thought he would never die physically. And so he, he said, um, he was talking about, well, you know, Paul missed it. He never made it. He died. He said, well, you know, if, if Paul didn't make it, you can sure forget it, you know. <laughs> but that's not what that verse meant. But here he says, Forgetting those things that are behind. So yeah, he said, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got to the end of my race. I haven't got everything right. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. So what do we have to do? Number one, 
If we were to go forward, we had to forget those things that are behind. Forget your past mistakes. Forget your sin. Forget what you did that was wrong. Did you ask God to forgive you? If you did, if you repented, now see, that is the qualifier, but if you did repent, then God forgives you. He washes you. He cleanses you and has no knowledge that you ever made a mistake. Now see, that takes mind renewal because we, we think, well, God is omniscient. But God promises in his word. I don't know how he does it. But he says, I won't remember it. If he said it, then I'm going to believe it. Lord, you don't remember it, so I'm not going to remember it either. I forget it. <laughs> Amen. And so that's why, you know, old friends, and, and they'll, they'll try to, you know, and, and, you know, maybe an old lifestyle, you know, come, come nom, on Saturday night beeping the horn. Hey, you know, I'm figuratively speaking. You know, beep the horn. Hey. Remember what we used to do. Hey, let's go have some fun. And at, at that time, you just say, no, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And I forget the things that are behind. And that's what Paul said. He says, I, I forget those things that are behind, and I reach forth those things which are before, and I press towards the mark. I, I'm aiming at something for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And then if, over in Hebrews chapter 10, you can just jot this down. Hebrews 10, verse 16. Hebrews 10, 16 says this. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is, say, his flesh. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a heart, a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. But see, what happens is if people, that's why the enemy wants to keep people in condemnation. Because if you stay in condemnation, it will kill any confidence toward God. You will have zero. You won't even pray. Why? Because you'll get down to pray and the devil says, you remember this. Remember that. You, you did this. And so you have to settle that once and for all. No, I'm washed in the blood. I may have done that, but that, you know, I repented of that. I'm washed and I'm cleansed. There's no guilt. And so... I've said this hundreds of times, and I'll say it again. If you found out anything that I did, you couldn't make me feel bad about it because I, I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm cleansed and I'm washed, and I'm walking a different way in my life. I mean, you know, you could, you know, and I know you stole the milk money in, in second grade. You know, I'm a new creature. I'm born again. I'm washed in the blood. I'm not the same person. So learn to forget your past mistakes. If he forgot it, why should you keep remembering it? And here's the thing. It's not God reminding you. It's the devil that's trying to take advantage of you. So learn to forget. Just evangelist Jesse Duplantis, he said this. He said, I'm not a pastor, which he's not. He's an evangelist. He said, I'm not a pastor. He said, his counseling pretty much... Consists of three things. 
Admit it, quit it, forget it. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. <laughs> Amen. How many know that's what you have to do if you have, you, you have any unforgiveness to people? Admit it. Sorry, I was wrong. You quit it. You walk in love. And then you forget it and you go on. <clears throat> Number two, and this, this actually goes hand in hand with the first one. Learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. <clears throat> you know, you say learn to. Well, you, yeah, you, you know, when you're unredeemed, you don't, it's not a natural thing to forgive people. It's a natural thing to hold grudges. It's a natural thing to, you know, you spit on me, I'll spit on you type thing. So learn to forgive. So how does God look at forgiveness? When God forgives, he forgets. So that's why they go hand in hand. You know, have you ever heard people say this? Well, you know, um, I, you know I, I've forgiven them, all right, but I'll never forget what they did to me. Well, you hadn't forgiven them. I've told this story before, but there was a minister came, he was at a, um, he was just taking over this church. And so he, he came into the parsonage. For those who don't know, that's in many denominations. The parsonage is where the pastor lives. So I know some people don't know, know, know what a parsonage is these days. But he's in the parsonage. This lady comes knocking on the door. Hey, you know, um, I'm glad you're our new pastor and things like that. But before you find out, I want to tell you something. How many know that's a beware? <laughs> yeah, and what's your name, sister? You know, Never really introduced herself, but she said, I just want to tell you before you find out of, of something that happened, how sister so-and-so did me wrong. She said, okay. So about when did the, and she kind of went on for a little bit. Sister, when did this happen? And here's what she said. You know, now, now, don't misunderstand me now. I've forgiven her, but I'll never forget what that old devil did to me. That's what she said. <clears throat> and um, she said, yeah, it was like, she's counting. She says, one, two, three. Thought he was going to say like two days ago. One, two, eight years ago next Tuesday. And, uh, and that's when she said, now, don't misunderstand me. I've forgiven her. He said, he just looked at her and said, sister, you're a bald-faced liar. He said, I know that's not a good way to keep members. But um, <clears throat> why? Because when you learn that you forgive people, you forget about it. You don't hold that mistake against them. How many know as, as husband and wife, there's always little things that, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. There's those little things that you have to forgive. Married people just look straight ahead. <laughs> it's true. You, you just, in life, there's little things. Sometimes it's not the big things. How many know, like when you first get married, you're used to doing things a, a, a certain way in your house. I mean, it's little things. Turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth. I mean, <laughs> put the toothpaste like this. It's, it's, those little things can be like little annoyances and the devil will put a wedge. <clears throat> so so <laughs> when people get married, you need to talk about everything. You need to talk about the way you fold your towels. You need, I mean, 
you know, uh, you know, mama did this for me and, and, and I grew up like this. Well, your mama's not here now. You have to learn those things. And so it's those little things. It's those little, um, and here's the thing. It's like these little ought. They should have, you know, the Bible says if you have ought against any. Now, the Bible says ought, A-U-G-H-T. But you could also say this, O-U-G-H-T. They ought to have done this for me. They should have done that for me. You know, they just, I mean, no, we don't deserve anything. Don't, don't always look at, you know, well, I deserve, you know, the, the least they could have done is done this for me. Well, realize this, that, that people, you know, there might be a communication you need to work on. But I just look at it like this. God's just good to me. So I don't deserve anything. The Lord's just good to me. But it's those little things, those little foxes. So we have to make sure that we forgive. Don't hold any grudges. Don't have any little ought. Amen. And as I said before, you know, expect nothing when it comes to other people and appreciate everything they do for you. Because if you, if you expect nothing, then you won't get miffed if they don't do it for you. But then if they do it for you, you're thankful because you weren't expecting it anyway. Amen. It just helps, it just helps you just be cool in life. Mark 11 verse 23 says this. Speak to the mountain and it shall obey you. Verse 24, he says this. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. What does verse 25 say though? It says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your heavenly Father may forgive you. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. So make sure that I would look at that area. If my faith was not working, I would look and make sure, have I forgiven everybody? Do I have anything against anybody? And so one of the things we see in the Bible, forgiveness is related and linked to, for, to releasing someone from a debt. Forgiving a debt. Releasing somebody. Hey, you know that thing that you, um, you know, you don't owe it to me anymore. We see that in the Bible. Hey, you know, now we see that unjust guy, you know, he's like, hey, I mean, it wasn't his money to do it with. And he said, hey, you know, you owe my master such and such. You owe this. Here, write 50 instead. Hey, do this. Why? They were forgiving them. So one of the things in forgiveness is this. You forgive somebody, you release them. And I've even said this many times. They owe me nothing. I release them, I forgive them, and, and they owe me nothing. Amen. Because if you, if, you don't, if, if you don't truly forgive, then they always owe you something. Well, all, I mean, all they could have done is just said, you know, I'm sorry. All they could have done is, see, you're getting out of forgiveness right there. And you just have to release people. So number two is learn to forgive. But I want to mention this as well because it's so important. Learn to forgive yourself. Learn to forgive yourself. Who, who's ever held it against yourself? You know, you want to punish yourself. You know, you, you made a mistake. You failed. 
But then you want to make yourself um, just go through, grovel through that and just like make yourself pay for the next 10 years. <laughs> but don't, just, just get up and go on. You know, I, I read what this nutritionist said one time. He was talking about like this. Um, he said, you know, if you get off your diet or if your, your workout plan, he said, it's like slashing, a, you know, you have a flat tire. He says, when you have a flat tire, you don't go slash the other three, though. You just repair it and you get back on the road. You, you get off your diet, you just get back on the road. Don't beat yourself. Well, I ate a piece. I might as well eat the whole cake. You know, that's what the devil says. <laughs> well, you know, you did that. You might as well really tell him what you think, you know. But then you get into something where the, the devil just tries to take advantage of you. Amen. So forgive yourself. I've said that. I've said, Will, God's forgiven you. I forgive you too. I release myself. Not to go do it again, but to be, to go and not do it again. To be, to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. So learn to forgive yourself. It's wrong to punish yourself just like it would be to someone else. So number three. Someone said, thank God. <laughs> but no, it's so important. Forgive, forget, and forgive. Number three, learn to worship. Learn to worship. Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify, I think it's verse 8, the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in him. So if we want to be successful as a believer, we have to learn how to worship the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So the Bible tells us that we are a chosen people. Everyone say, I'm chosen today. Maybe, and people grow up and they say, well, you know, maybe they grew up and their parents told them that, you know, we weren't even thinking of you or, or we weren't planning you. But, you know, God chose us. God chose you. You know, God knew that you were, that you were going to be born. Amen. He chose you. He says a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A peculiar people. Now, that doesn't mean weird. That just means peculiar. You're a peculiar people. <laughs> that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So why do I praise God? Because I've been translated out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of Satan unto the kingdom of God's dear son. That's why I praise him. And you know, I believe that God wants us healed. He wants us blessed. But even if, if someone didn't experience all that, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Yes. 
Are you going to meet Jesus? Are, it, are you, is your garment washed? Is it white as snow? Then everything else just really doesn't matter. <laughs> so learn to worship. Ephesians 5 tells us this. It says, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So one thing I can say as a believer, never lose your song. Amen. I know when my song has been cut off. It's like the, the hose is crimped, you know, when you, you grab a water hose. Oh, you know, where's that? You start to spray you water some grass or something, and all of a sudden it just, and you look around the corner, and it's, it's curled up a little bit. Uh-oh, you, you have to go fix that. You know, same thing. The, 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 there's a crimp in, in your spiritual life. Maybe it's an unforgiveness. Maybe it's something else. And so when I lose my song, I start looking to see where's the crimp. What, what's causing this? You know, what's, why do I not have victory in my life? Why do I have not have a song in my heart? Because, you know, most of the time we should, victory is mine, victory is mine. We should have a, a song in our heart. And so, you know, living a spirit-filled life is recognizable. It's, it's, it's recognizable. You can tell if people are up, up to par, you know, just like you can physically. You ever had somebody say, hey, what's wrong, man? Why? Because you walk into work, you're not feeling good, and maybe you, you just didn't sleep as good. You know, maybe you got a new dog and had to take it out every two hours, and, you know. <laughs> I was just talking to a guy yesterday about that, and he was talking about, yeah, I have a new dog, I have to take it out. And I thought, you just went through that a few months ago. He's like, yeah, this time last year. And um, he, he, they got a new, another new dog. Well, so, you know, people can be tired and all that. Well, you can tell if people aren't feeling good physically. Well, you know, spiritually, you can also discern if people are feeling good. Why? Because they lose that, that, that bubble and that joy. And so living a spirit-filled life, though, helps us on a daily basis. Speaking to ourselves in psalms, healing spiritual songs. And so it's our choice to give thanks, to give praise, and to give worship. So number four, seven keys to spiritual growth. Number four, learn to believe. Learn to believe. What does that mean? I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to just, at face value, if God said it, I believe it, and for me, that settles it. And so, what, so think, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Learn to believe. Learn to believe that you receive in prayer. But just learn to believe God at his word. Don't doubt his word. Like F.F. Bosworth said, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. If I'm going to doubt anything, I'm going to doubt my doubts. <laughs> when the devil says that's not going to happen, Satan, I doubt what you say. So learn to believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 16, I'll read. John chapter 16. In verse 23. 
He says, and in that day. Now, what, what, when's he talking about? He's talking about the day we live in now. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Why? Because the Bible says that we're supposed to pray to the Father God, to, to the Father in the name of Jesus. As he says here, Verily I say unto you, what thing, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto and up to now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So we, we need to learn to believe God at his word. Number five, learn to pray. How am I going to go to another place this next year? I'm going to have to learn to pray like never before. Pray and praying is, is you just talking to the Lord. John 15 says this, if, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall then ask what you will and it shall be done. So how are we going to have a successful prayer life? We're going to have to have the word of God abiding in us. Why? Because sometimes people say, well, what if I pray for something and it's not God's will? Well, that's why we have to know what God's word says first. And if you're abiding in it, then you're not going to ask something that's not his will. So learn to pray. And you know, do you know where the best place to learn how to pray is? That's a good answer at home. But what is the best school for prayer? Prayer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's, you know, when, when my sons, you know, ask me questions about driving, or, you know, I'll just tell them random stuff all the time. Now, you see this car come over here? They're not, they're not paying attention. And, you know, I'll just tell them different things. And sure enough, you know, <clears throat> you know, watch out for the other person driving. But, you know, I'll tell him these different things. Why? Because I want him to, you know, I want him to be prepared. But, you know, it's only when you actually get behind the wheel that you learn. It's just like if you ever train somebody on a job. You, you know, I've trained people in years gone by to do a route, you know, a sales route. Well, they're, you know, they, they're kind of half sleeping over there in the, in the passenger side. And then you get them over there and say, okay, you're going to run it today. And then they're like, where do I go? What am I, what am I doing? What, what, what do I do next, you know? Totally just forget why, because it's only when you start doing it. So prayer is actually the best place to learn how to pray. You learn how to just fellowship with God. You learn how to bring your request. You just learn how to pray. That's why, you know, pray in your known tongue, but also pray in other tongues. As you pray in another tongue, the Bible says you're praying out mysteries. You're, you're speaking to God. You're speaking secrets unto Him. And as you do that, you spend more and more time like that. It's so important to spend much time praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so, learn how to pray. I believe that this year we're going to go to a new level in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number six, learn to give. Learn to give. John 3, 16. How many know what that says? For God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven, I love you. I have feelings for you. No, what did he say? 
For God's the love that he gave. He's the only begotten son. And so one of the things we have to realize is the chief expression of love is giving. Why? Because God so loved that he gave. You've heard it said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So if we love, you know, I can, I can say I love my wife, but if I don't do things for her, it's to question that love. If I say I love the Lord, actually, what does the Bible say? If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. God, I love you. I love you. Okay, then I want you to do what I say. No, but Lord, I love you. I love you. I worship you. No, if we love him, we'll do his commandments. But we see this even in the Old Testament. The Bible says, bring me an offering. That's what God said. God says, bring me an offering. Malachi 3 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord host. So it's not just, okay, bring me an offering and I hope you do okay. You know, bring me an offering and, and hope it works out well for you. Bring me an offering. He said, bring all the tithes and storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now. Prove me by this. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, a lot of people, I, I mean, I, can, I understand where they're trying to come from, but a lot of people, they, they, they talk and they say, well, you know, this, this place, this church, this city has an open portal and it has an open heaven. You know, we need to pray for an open heaven. But, you know, the Bible never said anything about, the Bible did talk about the heaven shut up. But I, I have an open heaven over my life. I'm not, I don't have to pray for it every day. Lord, I just pray that today would be an open heaven, that you would open the windows. Just like when you open your eyes in the morning, that God's got to open his windows every day. That's not the way it works. I'm a giver. I'm a sower seed, and the windows are open all the time. It's kind of like I don't wake up every day and, 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 and have to put on my breastplate of righteousness. I, I have it on all the time. I don't, I don't have to go look for my sword. I, I have it with me. You know, I don't have to say, you know, Logan, we're, you know, I don't have to look, wonder if the dog took my shoes away, you know, to put on my feet, you know, the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Where, where, where'd they go? Where'd Buddy take them? No. <laughs> See, that's just natural anyway. People think too naturally. But, but I have it on all the time. It's the same thing. You put praise on, you keep that on all the time. And so other, if you're taking notes, uh, Hebrews 7, and then also Matthew 23, 23, he talks about tithing. And so as a Christian, we want to be just like our Heavenly Father. And so what does that mean? We're givers. We are sowers. Luke 6, 38 says this, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So learn to give. And I thank God that I, I learned this when I only, 
I remember my first job, and, and I worked at a Kmart. Three hours a day. I mean, that was big for me because I wasn't working before that, you know. And um, I don't know what my paychecks were, 50 or $60 or something like that. And then I, once in a while I'd work um, a full week and stuff like that. But uh, that was what I worked, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then sometimes it would be 11 a.m., you know, one whole hour. And, um, but thankfully, I got into habit then. And I got born again just right before that. And my mom told me, she said, you know, Will, you need to tithe. And so that settled it for me, you know. The Bible told me. And so I thank God that, why? Because when you learn how to tithe with $50, it's easier to tithe with $500. And $5,000. Why? Because it's still just a tithe. It's, it's still just a percentage. You know what? Here's, you know, a lot of times people say things like this. They say, well, you know, when my ship comes in and when I really get blessed, then I'm going to give the church such and such. Well, you know, according to Jesus, you'll do the same thing that you're doing right now. Why? Because he said, him that hath shall be more given. And so whatever you're doing with the $10, Jesus says that's what you'll do with 10000 And then number seven, and this is a good one, learn to witness. Learn to witness. Be a soul winner. Be, share your faith with others. Draw others to Christ. Now, I believe it's very important that our lives reflect our commitment to Jesus, that that what we do, um, you know, it's been said, people say it like this, the things that you're saying, like what you're doing, shout so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. You know, we can be saying one thing, but our lives can be showing another thing. So what we want, and we do want our lives, because sometimes people say this, you know, uh, our biggest Witness is our lives, and I, I do believe that. But I believe that we are supposed to open our mouth. Our lives should be a testimony, but we also open our mouth. You know, have you ever heard people say this? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Preaching the gospel is using words. Newsflash, it is opening your mouth. It is using words. Amen. We're not just going to hand out a bottle of water with the name of the church on it. Amen, that's nothing wrong with that, but preaching the gospel is preaching with words. The Bible says it's the preaching of the word that gets people saved. But you know, it's not just in preaching, but it's also in demonstration. Look over in 1 Corinthians 2, we'll, we'll finish here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And notice he says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. As I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. 
So how are we going to know? You know, the Bible says this in Romans. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they call on him of whom they've not heard? And so we have to open our mouth. We have to share. You know, as much as I like Christian t-shirts, I, that can't be my only, um, you know, I just, yeah, they, you know, or, or, you know, years ago they had these Christian beads and stuff, you know, you know, this, that, and then it means you know, it's a witnessing bead and that. You have to open your mouth. Amen. You know, it's not just because I have a, a sticker on the back of my car that says honk if you love Jesus. You know, like one person said, you know, a lot of people have on the back of the car, they have a fish and it should be a shark. Amen. <laughs> so learn to witness. Learn to be a witness. Let, let, let your life, let it, and let it be natural. And like we had those good testimonies last week. We want to have good testimonies. Hey, uh, I led this one, Lord. I prayed, I prayed for this one. You know, I, I, this person had something wrong with them, and I prayed for them, and God healed them right on the street. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So this year, I believe that as, as we come into this new year, if you'll do these things, learn to, for, to forget the past, no matter what's going on. You know, you can't do anything about it anyway. That's, it's gone. I mean, you can't unscramble eggs, but you can't add cheese to it. And you can make a nice omelet out of it. <clears throat> Learn to forgive. Forgive others, forgive yourself. Learn to worship God. You know, that's a good way that I, I like to start my day. You know, this is just me personally. I like to, I have certain verses that I go to all the time. And I go to this one verse every day. And I like to do that before I do anything else. I mean, even when the dogs let me out, you know, I, I go read the verse. Then I let him out. But I like to do that before anything else. Why? Imprint it on my mind. <clears throat> and then number four, learn to believe. Learn to take God at his word this year. God, you said it, and that settles it for me. Learn to pray. Pray like your life depends on it. Because sometimes it does. Then learn to give, and then learn to be a witness. Amen. I believe if you do these things, that 12 months from now, you'll be in a better place than you are right now. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just put your eyes on the Lord for the last few minutes here. Father, we just bless you and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you've not left us alone, that you've given us a comforter. And Lord, we thank you that where you found us, that Lord, you're not leaving us in the same place. And I thank you, Lord, for even for this year that's been a great year. We thank you for 2023, Lord, and what you've planned for us personally. Lord, that we set the sail even now. We don't just wait to see what's going to happen. But, Lord, we make a decision ahead of time that it's going to be a, a year of purpose. And, Lord, I just pray that even as we have talked about even fasting and prayer, that Lord, people would 
would would get on board, Lord, and 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 come and and pray and Lord, they're going to see supernatural things this year. That Lord, that things that have hindered and and been a hindrance shall be taken out of the way. I thank you, Lord, that that Lord, we shall rise up on the inside. We shall rise up in power. We shall rise up in authority. We shall rise up in the name of Jesus and take the land that you have for us. Lord, we know the time is short. We know that, that Lord, we only have a, a short while. Lord, even if it was another 50 years, Lord, that's in your timetable, that is so short. And so we just thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to redeem the time. Help us to redeem the time on a daily basis. Lord, that we wouldn't take it for granted. But Lord, we'd make it the most of it, that we'd not waste one day, but we would make it uh, redeemed for the kingdom of God. And we thank you for it. We give you praise, Lord. We give you honor and we give you glory. Father, thank you that even this week shall be a week of, of increase. And a week of increase, Lord, on every side. Lord, in, in, our, 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 in our bank account, in, in our spiritual life, in everything that we do. Lord, I thank you that our health shall spring forth speedily. Lord, that we shall grow, not weary, but we'll go stronger and grow stronger. Lord, we go from strength to strength. We go from faith to faith. We are strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. And Lord, we just confess all of your good things over our lives. And Lord, when people, Lord, we, we don't care if people laugh at us. Lord, because we'll be, as they say, taking it all the way to the bank. Lord, that we'll, we'll possess everything that we confess. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>